Well, welcome to another edition of the Art of Relationships podcast. I'm Chris Grace. And I'm Tim Yohoff. Great to be here with you guys. We love being able to come and talk on this podcast, Tim, about all things relationships. As a faculty member here, you've been studying the area of communication for a long time. Boy, here. for a long time, yeah. Uh, I've been studying as a social psychologist, and so you and I, and when we approach these topics of relationships, it's really fun to bring in these expertise in these areas that we have, but it also comes into play with practical ways when we deal with our own relationships, our own marriages, and so it's fun to be able to have this podcast with you. My wife would say I'm much better at the theory end of it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the application point. That's right. No doubt. And so if you have any interest in checking out even more about relationships, we have a not only this podcast, but there are a series of blogs and uh, we have events, all kinds of things at cmr.biola.edu. And so we come here today from this beautiful campus, Biola University. Tim, we've been talking some about ways in which... Um, uh, you know, our relationships are impacted, the ways in which we can do them better. Right. One of them and one topic that comes up, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, and then let's dive into this one. It's in the area of influence and mm-hmm. impact mm-hmm. and the things that have influenced us as people, the people that have impacted us. And then what role does influence and things uh, such like as that play in marriages or relationships? Yeah. How do we understand and hear each other and influence each other? So what do you think? Should we take this topic? Oh, it sounds great. Influence yep. is hugely important. Um, one of the things that happens in each of our lives is we can point back to uh, yeah. different times, different people that have had an impact on us. What does that mean for you when you think about people having an impact or people influencing you? What comes to mind for you in this? Well, Chris, you know, it's funny. When I turned 40, I found this box. Uh, we were moving, and I found a box that had all my journals. Mm-hmm. We're talking journals of uh, grad school college and even a journal from high school. Oh, wow. Now, when we talk about influence, I think it's fascinating to say who made the journal. Of all the people that you met, all the teachers, coaches, um, pastors, who actually made the journal? I think that's... And from a communication standpoint, why did they make the journal? What was it about them that stuck? And I, I mean, and I look back, and I'll ask you this question as well, but I look back, it was Coach Rajeski. Mm. He was my uh, high school football coach. Chris... Mm. If he would have told us to climb on the top of the building of our high school and jump, we all would have done it. You do not question Coach Rajeski. And mm-hmm. he taught me about hard work. Um, when we started my senior year of football, he went to the University of Michigan and got the conditioning program mm-hmm. that the Michigan Wolverines use and incorporated it. We almost quit. Mm-hmm. It was so hard, but we wanted to please him. And he mm-hmm. had a big impact. And then I would also say... Um, when I was in college, I had a, a pastor of a church that I attended to in Ypsilanti, Michigan, Tom, who would later go on, by the way, do our premarital counseling, mm-hmm. Tom and Ruth Ann. So he really stayed with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a uh, roommate, a, an atheist roommate, mm-hmm. who really pushed my thinking. He was a great thinker mm-hmm. and really caused me to wrestle with issues. And I think that was my beginning of apologetics. Mm-hmm. And then I would say a guy named Tim Downs, Tim and his wife, Joy, um, they showed me what a godly marriage looks like. And I have never forgotten that. So they stay with me. They're imprinted on me in positive influences 
we, we could talk about negative influences, but those are positive. Who would you say makes your list? Well, it's it's very similar, Tim. There's a, a couple of baseball coaches, one positive, one negative. Ah. Uh, and the positive was Coach Taravella, who um, I only played a couple of years at varsity in baseball with him. But he just had a way of encouraging people. And I remember on literally what was probably the biggest, turned out to be one of the biggest days in games for me for a number of reasons. Not only just in baseball, but even spiritually, uh, it's a longer story than that. But on that day, I will never forget this coach who walked up to me and, and just said, Gracie, you're going to do awesome today. You oh, get out there, do huge. what you can do, yeah. and you're and 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 you're going to do. You just do what you're you know trained to do, and you know and yeah. and I I'll never forget that day one because it turned out to be a great day. Um, I got a winning hit. I remember that day, but I remember him th- that the way he kind of believed in in me and and uh, expressed those kinds of things on a regular basis. And like you, I want to do anything oh, for him. anything for him. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a when I did modeling, I had a photographer. <laughs> Who said to me, Timmy? See, I don't. You can, you can do this. You have got the physique. You're, you can do this, and it just, it stayed with me, Chris. Yes. It marked me. Yeah, and, and <laughs> as we deal with reality, though, and not the dream world, <laughs> let's talk about the ways people. So here's the other one. Thanks for that image. Um, this other coach, I remember, he did just the opposite for me, oh, which was, yeah, I, yeah, I made yeah. an error. I think at this time I was probably, uh, you know, it might have been a soft more in high school and I made an error in the middle of a JV game and he comes running out and pulls me out in the middle of the game now in baseball you don't pull somebody out in the middle of a game in the middle of an inning you wait until in between innings and you don't come out and make the change like that and it was devastating now I I didn't really um it had an impact only in, I remember thinking, this is not the way you do things. Even back then, I knew it was not being handled you know, properly. Yeah, so, right. so those two things, coaches, there was a person who had a huge impact. And, and I, for the first time, saw what it was like to have a marriage uh, that was Christian yeah. when, this is before I was married, uh, but I saw and met a couple uh, through a ministry called The Navigators, and I watched mm. this couple, and that the impact that they had just by modeling what it meant and being able to watch them was pretty powerful. And so, like you, there were a couple of people I can pull, you know, and, and call up to mind saying, that person, I want to do, I want to be like them. I want to manage my life or walk or treat others or do things like that. So, And is it just because I'm sitting here, it's awkward to mention me on that list? Of, you know, of... it, would t- it was coming up next. And so there's <laughs> oh, a th- uh, the, the third. Wow, th- yeah. Thank you so much. That's <laughs> but, but from a communication standpoint, Chris, it's really interesting to ask the question, um, who influences you and why? Yeah. The why part is huge because I, I had coaches as well right. telling me in football, Mielhoff, you're not right. very good. I had a wrestling coach. I, I, interesting. I had a positive wrestling coach and a mm-hmm. negative one. Mm-hmm. And the positive one uh, just said, Mielhoff, you on a good day, you can beat anybody. I don't mm-hmm. care who it is. And the other guy, always just negative mm-hmm. comments and stuff like that. But, but why... From a communication standpoint, can a person influence you? And other people don't. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, there's a philosopher named Aristotle who said, it's your credibility mm-hmm. is why I allow your words to have impact. Now, this, for our listeners, this is going to apply to parenting, friendship, marriage, a, a business, roommates. anything. Right. 
Um, so he broke it down into three areas that I thought were really, really interesting. He said, first, is there goodwill between you and that person? Do you perceive that that person has goodwill? And by that, I think he meant, uh, this person isn't out to harm you. Mm-hmm. You really do believe even if you disagree with how a person says something, they had your best interests in mind. Mm-hmm. So I first judge the fact that even if you're critiquing me, you're doing it for good reasons. He said that was goodwill. Second, that person had to have virtue, mm-hmm. which meant I see you living out the very things you're telling me to do. Mm-hmm. I see you actually doing it and living it out. I think that's really important. Mm. The third one was what he just called intelligence, is what we most attribute Aristotle with. But by intelligence, he meant that I really did know my facts Mm -hmm. heading in, sitting down with a person, and I perceive that you really have done your homework, and you really do know, even if I disagree with you, I might Mm -hmm. think, well, Chris really does know the facts. Mm -hmm. We just happen to disagree with them. So those three things I think is fascinating. Goodwill, Mm -hmm. virtue, and intelligence is why I allow a person to influence me. Now, that's really interesting, and it's been around for a while, that concept. And I think what we end up doing is, I think today sometimes people talk about those, they they call them things like being authentic. And it's almost as if we judge another person's influence on us or their likelihood if we trust that what they say and what they do, there's an authenticity between yeah, them, right? Yeah, they yeah. jive. And so they might say one thing, but we read it differently or we see in their world. And we're very good at judging, I believe, authenticity, right? <laughs> yep. If somebody says one thing yeah. and does something, yeah. we tend to believe their actions. And I think the, that that's a, a way in which we do this as well. You know, Tim, it's really interesting because there's this study about influence and I, and I think what you uh, another way to another characteristic to put onto this would be do we allow the person uh, to speak into and 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 influence us uh, you know are we for example uh, able to um, take in and do you, does that other person do they feel as if we would accept from them some mm. of these oh, ways yeah. of speaking yeah. into them and so that area of influence you know it's, it reminds me of the study of preschool kids um, they looked at preschool kids and they wanted to find out um, about friendships and it fa- they realized as they were doing the study that about more than a third of all preschool kids have a member of the opposite sex as what they call their best friend oh wow so up to a third would say of preschool kids that, yeah, my best friend is, and, and again, in 35% of the situations and times it was a member of the opposite sex. Well, by the time these kids reach the age of seven, universally, worldwide, that number dropped to almost zero. What? There wow. were no say opposite sex best friends. By the time kids reach the age of seven, worldwide, it's almost to zero. They're always now pairing up, according to same sex, for best friends. Mm. Well, the researchers who did this speculated that the reason had to do a lot with influence. So what they said and what they found out were that these boys were not allowing these girls to have an influence and to say, who does what? What games do they go play? I want to say this. And so the girls... Basically, by the time they reached first grade, we're saying, they're just fed up. They're like, we're not getting any of this from you. You're not allowing us to come in and speak. You're not allowing us to share this. So we're just going to go hang out with our own friends. And so 
Isn't that an interesting phenomenon? Who has an impact on us oftentimes is determined by, oh, do you allow another person, right, to come in? And so, so anyway, I think it's a great study. That's a gr- So it's the sociology of influence. Yep. The groups you hang with yes. determine what is possible mm-hmm. and what you just discount right off the top. Oh, that's exactly so, right. So, Chris, when I, when I did become a Christian at the age of 13, we started going to a really conservative um, church. Mm-hmm. And in this church, you only read one specific version of the Bible. That was it. No other kind of version. Uh-huh. So, And I, you just buy into it, right? right? Right. So, I go to college. I'm actually now going to this Christian organization in my spare time on campus, and people aren't reading the version that I was reading. I was confronting them. Uh-huh. I was saying, hey, that's wrong. You can't read that. And uh, one of the guys came up to me, one of the leaders, and said, hey, I think you're a nice guy, but you, you don't know what you're talking about. Here. And he handed me uh, an article about different translations of the Bible, and then he gave me a different version. Mm-hmm. And I didn't trust him at all. I really didn't until I read the article. And then I thought, oh, my goodness. I had never considered any of this, and it made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So isn't it interesting, Chris, that we can get so locked into our communities mm-hmm. that we, and in that community, you watch a certain news program, mm-hmm. you read certain things, and you do not read certain things. And so we have to be aware, I think maturity is you become aware of how your community has marked you, mm-hmm. even as you start to uh, get uh, exposed to other communities, which I think is good. Yeah. Well, Tim, let's think about that for just a minute and tell me your experience, because I think what you're describing is what a lot of people would say has happened for them, especially as they went off to college, to university. You're now being able to be exposed to a variety of new ideas. You're now being able to not just be exposed to certain culture, but you're even being able to now create or, or have an impact on culture. But at times like this, it sounds as if there's still some things that we have to be willing to do, and that is to be willing to admit some things. First of all, I don't know everything. I, right. my, I am biased in what I've learned, what I've been exposed to, and I haven't seen the world yet. And I remember in college for the first time hearing and seeing some ideas that were just <laughs> foreign. Yeah. And I remember thinking, that's not right. This, this can't be true. Yeah. This can't be accurate. Uh, but in watching that some people actually held on to them, it could be in small things that they did, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it could also be in big ideas. But it seems as if that is an extremely important moment where we're able to begin to recognize our own limitations and understanding. And like you said, we could live in a kind of a bubble at times, mm-hmm. especially today. There are certain things I don't have to watch, you know, only one news station that might cover. I, right. I have a choice of hundreds. So Yeah. And I remember in college, I took a, uh, I went to a secular university and I took a philosophy class and the prof walks up, up to the whiteboard and he draws a huge question mark. And he said, Bertrand Russell once said, it is wise in almost all matters to every once in a while draw a question mark over long-held beliefs. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think that's good. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're going to reject your family upbringing wholesale, mm-hmm. but, but probably as you mature, you're going to look back and say, but you know, it is good for me to reflect on that just because my parents did it this way doesn't mean it was the only way. Mm-hmm. It, just because the community I grew up in, a particular part of the country, a socioeconomic environment, doesn't mean that it always has to be done that way. And I think that's 
um, is going to make you a good roommate. Mm-hmm. It's going to make you a good spouse. It's even mm-hmm. going to make you a good parent. I, I hope I'm not so entrenched in my ways that my three boys feel like, oh, you can't even talk to dad about mm-hmm. this because mm-hmm. we're not going to do it like we did it in mm-hmm. the 70s. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that, Chris, is appreciate the, the um, impact your community had on you. But at the same time, as you get older mm-hmm. and maybe have a roommate who comes from a very different background or a spouse who that we just didn't do it that way. Mm-hmm. Our reaction can't be, well, I'm sorry, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. This is how it should be done. It always should be done that way. That openness, I think, is a good sign. Yeah. Are there any signs, uh, Tim, that would that would bother you about being influenced or impacted by somebody by being too open? Uh, oh. And, and maybe not holding on to some mm-hmm. core things. Mm-hmm. How do you navigate that? If you're, so, I, you know, you and I uh, recently spoke at a, at a large secular state institution. <laughs> In the state of California, and it was great. We spoke yeah. on relationships, and this was both a mix of Christian, non-Christian audiences, and 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 the the reception we had was awesome. And I remember one student coming up, um, talking about how refreshing finally mm. to hear <laughs> somebody present the topic of relationships from a Christian perspective, yep. and they just never heard that at this particular institution. The numbers we heard were astounding. There were of the thirteen. 1,400 faculty members, they identified or knew of maybe three that were evangelical or Christian. And so the opposite can happen at a place where you can be so open, but yet lose. And so Mm -hmm. she was grateful. And and I think you and I appreciated just knowing that we were able to go in there, talk about something and have an impact because we just don't hear that, she said, at an institution like this. And we, she's, I just miss hearing that this is a a valid way of looking at things. So sometimes it plays, it's really hard to know that balance. Yeah, that's for sure. And listeners who went to secular schools, man, you got indoctrinated into a certain viewpoint. I remember what Lewis, C.S. Lewis said something I thought was good. He said, an idea in your mind will die if it's not fed regularly. So I, so I like the idea of going to a secular school. It's great to expose yourself to people from, from different perspectives, but as you're opening to those perspectives, don't stop feeding the ideas of like, I I believe in God. I believe the Bible is true. I do believe in these conservative values, but at the same time, you can, you can be listening to other perspectives. Just don't stop um, going back and revisiting the things that you believe in why you believe them. So if, if if there's listeners out there and they're and they're in a in a business world and or they're at a, maybe they're at a state secular institution you know university mm-hmm. or they're working and, and they're no longer in, in in a culture that feeds yeah. this what advice would you give them about influence and impact on them you said keep feeding this that is I imagine you mean keep going back to that which you know is for you, these core truths. So spending time in the Word, spending time reading and, and other And with other people. So uh, remember I mentioned Tim Downs. Uh, Tim was the guy whose marriage had a big impact on me, but he's also a really sharp thinker. He's a very gifted Christian writer. So when I went to, I did a master's and a PhD at a secular university, um, I scheduled regular lunch times with him. Mm-hmm. And here's the great thing about him, Chris. He didn't freak out. Mm-hmm. And we had to read some pretty wild stuff. I mean, for the first time, I'm reading Nietzsche, the great atheist philosopher. I'm a guy named Michel Foucault is a walk on the wild side. <laughs> but Tim didn't freak out. He would just sit and say, okay, well, all right, well, what are you learning? Well, what's good about what they said? And uh, how's that making you now think about your Christian beliefs? Mm-hmm. And Tim was a great sounding board. And when I started to go, you know, stray a little bit 
kind of, he was like, hey, well, remember, don't forget this. Mm -hmm. The reason you believe this is because of this. Mm -hmm. So having something that you can kind of deprogram with a little bit or be a sounding board that doesn't freak out that you're considering and understanding. I Remember, understanding doesn't mean you condone it. Mm -hmm. I'm just listening to this perspective and understanding it. But I, yeah, staying in community is huge. And so still going to church, having Tim... So that's what I would say to our listeners who are at Secular Universities, man, keep um, the dialogue going both ways, mm -hmm. not just that you have to read this book in class, but you're also reading an old C.S. Lewis book or the Bible or talking to your pastor, I think is mm -hmm. important. You know, in, in culture today, Tim, there's uh, access to so many uh, different things, um, and social media presents mm -hmm. us and yeah. gives us an opportunity to influence or limit the channels that come in, yeah, right? And yeah. we can only listen to some voices or some podcasts or you know read some things that we want. Yeah. And I think some of that there's a it's really hard to determine and judge, okay, what's trustworthy? Where can I make get get yeah. truth from yeah. that yeah. but also hear other perspectives and ideas. And today the change that's going on in so many of things that we normally would have said yeah. this is the way to do it. This is truth are now being fundamentally questioned and and just know that you know if you're if you're limiting yourself to, well, this is the news program I watch. Mm -hmm. This is where I go to get my opinion. Mm -hmm. Be careful of that a little bit because you really can get locked into one perspective. Chris, I remember one time I was, I was flying to a conference and a presidential debate was on. And I was so bummed because I was going to miss most of it, right? We're going we're gonna to get on the plane. So I'm sitting next to a woman and... They start the debate, and this one candidate opens his mouth. Chris, I promise you, I promise you, he got out six words. And she says out loud in front of everybody, liar. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at her like, he just, it was one sentence. Mm -hmm. and, but that's the negative thing about being so locked in your perspective mm -hmm. That I, I disagree with you even before you open your mouth, because I know you're from a different um, party or perspective. To me, I'm concerned when we're so insulated uh -huh. that we've already prejudged everybody else because I know the perspective you're coming from. From a communication standpoint, I think that's dangerous. Um, you know, Tim, I also think, and, and it strikes me as we think through and we opened this conversation uh, today, we talked about this. Who's had an impact on us? Who's had an influence? I bet if we polled a, a thousand people, uh, we would find that uh, there would be less than one or two percent who would say somebody in the media or somebody oh, that is a talking uh -huh, head uh -huh. has influenced or impacted me uh -huh. more than where I get you. Know, instead, I think people will point to that that personal relationship that person has spoken into their life that's had the biggest influence yeah. and impact. Yeah. You and I have kind of recently. Uh, both been reading studies, and and I know I've heard you talk about this as well. The study of the faculty members who have had the greatest impact mm, on yeah. students, yeah. and that they looked at things like um, it's not so much the what the faculty member or this person says; it's really a, a person listening more, more listens for. 
do they uh, live a life that's authentic? That's right. Uh, are that's they right. emotionally unguarded when they're talking? Are, are they able to talk about things that they doubt or they're concerned about or don't have answers to? And are they being genuine in that? And so, and so it's funny how the impact of a person uh, has a lot to do with that nonverbal right, yep, openness yep. and and relevancy but also that they are living what they are saying that and those people have an impact on us right I, I you're looking at and you listed some of these people and some of the people in my life and they lived this they walked they that and so what they, they would have said I would have bought because I felt like they were doing this so. Remember that old adage? Uh, it's been around forever. I don't, I don't care what you think until I know that you care. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's huge. Man, I remember in college, Chris, I had a professor who probably he'd say ninety-eight thing, a hundred things, not disagree with ninety-eight. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, we were just on opposite ends of everything. You know what he did mid-semester? Had us all over for dinner. Mm-hmm. He was a great cook, and we we're all sitting around. It wasn't a huge class. I think there were less than ten of us. And we're all sitting around. And he just went around and said, I want to hear how you're doing. Not what you think about the class, but how are you doing? And we're eating his food, sitting in his house. You know, my perception of him changed. Mm-hmm. Why? I still would be 98 things I disagree with out of 100, but I knew he cared for me. Mm-hmm. That got me a little bit of an audience that I would mm-hmm. listen to what he has to say. That's a great principle in every relationship I can think of is do people know that you care Mm -hmm. and then you can disagree, but the influence is going to be based on caring. Uh, Tim, that takes us right back to this idea of um, even the preschool kids who by the time they're six or seven have gotten fed up with the other person, the other group that they just don't care. They don't want to hear and they don't listen to me. I mean, okay, fine. I'm just going to back away from this. And now I think Tim, you've introduced the idea of, Influence within relationships. Yeah. Uh, do you show not just what you think and what your yeah. idea is, but do you care? It, do you not only care, but do you care to hear me, understand, mm-hmm. and yep. listen? Yep. And in so doing, wow, what an impact uh, other people can have on us when that when those variables are in there. Yeah. So what do you think? You want to talk about that one next? Yeah, I think this we can apply this to dating and marriage in a heartbeat. I want to talk a little bit about things like influence and impact, how uh, in relationships we accept influence from others, uh, quid yep. pro quo, things like that. What oh, do you think? Yeah. Do yeah, let's do it. Sounds great. Well, we're out of time. So come check us out again here at The Art of Relationships. Um, we have a lot of things on our website. Again, cmr.biola.edu. We're just grateful to uh, have you guys join us and uh, look forward to talking again. Yeah.